Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news. This is episode 110, recorded July 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Charles Grant. And in today's episode, Steve Martin picks a lock, the key that can destroy a lock, classrooms lack basic security feature, $275,000 Ohio house comes with jail cells, Guinness World Record attempt for charity, products, meetups, criminals, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to video versions on YouTube, Odyssey, or Apple Podcasts. Stories discussed will have links in the show notes. Some apps limit the links to show notes, but you can always find full show notes with the links at thelocksportscast.com. So first up in the news, something I noticed while walking through the living room. My wife was watching TV in the living room, and I happened to walk through and see Steve Martin kneeled in front of a door picking a lock. And remarkably, he appeared to be actually using what looked like a good technique. He had two hands. Uh, one was working what appeared to be a tension wrench, the other uh, pick. And so I started watching the scene a little closer. He asked the girl behind him for a different pick, at which point he pulls out the pick he has using, which was a hook. However, it appeared to be upside down in the lock. But all in all, very realistic looking lock picking scene. So. Uh, on the overall, I'll give it a thumbs up. And that was in the Only Murderers in the Building show on Hulu. It's uh, one my wife's been watching, ironically, about people doing a true crime podcast. So podcasters picking locks caught my attention. I haven't actually watched any of the rest of the show. I don't watch much TV or anything like that. But my wife says it's a pretty good show. So if you have Hulu, you might want to check it out. And the important lockpicking scene that I discussed or that I walked in on happens to take place about 24 minutes in in episode one of season one. So in case you're wanting to check it out, that's where you'll find it. Then I know I've covered this before, but a new article came up. It was called 10 Times They Were Worried What Movies Would Do to You. The article starts out saying the movie business has long been one surrounded by controversy with many a picture causing uproar and unrest. And the first one they mention, which is number 10 on their 10 list, is would-be criminals would learn from T2's escape sequence. I know I've covered the Linda Hamilton lockpicking in the movie before, because it is actually quite accurate. But I thought I would cover this anyway, since it's a new article. The article states that the British Board of Film Classification has infamously been a tough nut to crack for certain filmmakers and movies over the decades. Back in 1991, it was director James Cameron who found himself butting heads with the organization over a particularly early sequence in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. After Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-800 travels back in time to help protect Sarah's son John, when John and the T-800 arrive on the scene, Sarah has already used a hair clip to unlock her restraints and the cell door that's been keeping her locked up. It was that escape that the BBFC had their major gripe with. With the close-up nature of how Cameron showed Sarah's lockpicking escape deemed irresponsible in how would-be criminals could play the scene back and learn how to pull off such a trick. Added to this, Linda Hamilton legitimately mastered lockpicking in order to bring a sense of authenticity to the sequence. And it is one of the better sequences in film. 
but I don't think they show enough to really give criminals a leg up on, <laughs> on that one. Just like the scene in uh, the show I mentioned earlier, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. It's a good depiction of what lock picking would look like if you saw somebody picking a lock in front of a, you know, kneeling in front of a door picking a lock. But they're not giving you enough information, especially with the pickups being down. Da- especially with the pick being upside down. They're not giving you enough information to duplicate the action and actually open a lock. Now, this next one, I'm going to be very careful how I address because I know the politics around this situation. And I just, I don't want to get into those. I'm going to discuss this one aspect of this story. And please refrain from any political comments in the comment section of the video, too. I try to keep this a politics free zone. But the article was entitled, Uvalde School Classrooms Lacked a Basic Security Feature, and It's Missing Across America. The article says that the classroom doors at Robb Elementary could not be locked from the inside. That's a vulnerability school safety experts have been warning about for decades. Built in the 1960s, Robb Elementary had classroom doors that could only be locked and unlocked from the outside, according to state authorities and the teacher. The teacher refers to a teacher that spoke with them uh, and was quoted in this article. It says the Rob Elementary teacher and her colleagues had been instructed to keep their classroom doors closed and locked at all times using keys that they were required to carry with them, she said. But the system created frequent opportunities for mistakes. Each time she and her class returned from lunch or the bathroom, she said she had to use her key to unlock the door handle and hoped that she remembered to relock it again before going back inside. Once she was inside, the teacher said there was no way to confirm whether the exterior handle was actually locked. To remove any doubt, she came up with a system for lockdown drills. Anytime an alarm sounded, she would step into the hall, put the classroom door shut, test the exterior handle, and make sure it was locked and latching correctly. Then a student that she had deputized to follow her to the door would then let her back inside. The article continues by saying doors that can be quickly and easily locked can mean the difference between life and death when a shooter is on school grounds. That's why post-shooting safety commissions, teachers, fire safety groups, and both gun rights and gun control groups have advocated for interior locking doors. Such locks allow teachers to secure their classroom with a key from the other side of the door. When the door is locked, no one can enter from outside the classroom, but the door can always be opened from the inside by just turning the knob. That allows students and teachers to exit the classroom freely at all times, as fire codes require. The article goes on to say that the logistics and expense of installing these locks can dissuade districts from investing in them. Amy Klinger, founder and director of programs for the Educator School Safety Network, says, Think about how many hundreds of thousands of schools there are in the United States, and in each one you have maybe 200 doors, she said. The scope of it becomes incredibly expensive and overwhelming to try to standardize. No state requires all schools to install interior locks, though some recommend it, and a wave of school security grants often follows shootings, but even when they have new funds available, schools have struggled to decide what to prioritize. Cedric Calhoun, Chief Executive Officer of DHI and Industry Group for Door Security Professionals, was quoted as saying, School districts and administrators get overwhelmed with the number of options and solutions. A lot of times they can overlook the simplicity of a door lock. Like I said, not to get into politics of the whole situation of these 
events, but I think that uh, good locking doors is a, is a step that everybody should be able to get behind. So if you have a, a local school district, especially if you have kids in that school, maybe it's something you should advocate for. On a lighter note, the next article, Party Pad Without Parallel, $275,000 Ohio House Comes With Jail Cells. It's a fairly long article and uh, goes into some other stuff about the house, but I thought I would just highlight this part of it here. It says, from the outside, this residence in Salina, Ohio is decidedly funky. It's a single-level home topped by an octagonal structure. Listing agent Ryan Stackhouse says, a lot of what I know about the property is kind of local hearsay. A doctor lived right next door with his wife, and he built this property next to his home. I think he had kind of wild lifestyle, and he built this as kind of a party pad. Built in 1972, the prime party house is now on the market for $275,000, and the listing photos have been shared all over the internet. The home features jail cells just off the kitchen and main living space, and these repurposed cages come with a backstory. The agent is quoted as saying, as legend has it, there was a local bank robber back in the 1900s by the name of John Dillinger. He had broke out of jail and was robbing banks. It is believed that these are the actual jail cells that John Dillinger was being held in. The guy who built the home got them from the jailhouse and put them into this property. He was an eccentric fella, and I don't know that it would make a lot of sense of people as to why he did some of the things he did. Stackhouse says some of the online comments about the house suggest it has an identity crisis, a la Frankenhouse. He says, there does seem to be a little bit of everything. I mean, it's 1970s, and then parts of it are modern. Then you've got the jail and a pub in there, and the people who live there now have a baby, so there's baby stuff all around. (laughs) And if you look at the pictures, it is quite a a strange uh, mixture of 1970s wood-paneled bedrooms, interesting light fixtures, a pool room with a bar and a game room next to it, set up kind of like a cafe, a big, huge, open main room right inside the front door that's very, very modern styled, but with jail cells sitting off to the side. And then, like I said, all the rest kind of still in the 70s trim. So a very interesting and odd house. But the uh, jail cells, if they really are the ones that Dillinger was held in, do have a bit of historical significance moving on to community news first up david's guinness world record attempt father and son the description of the fundraiser says me and jack are raising money for scotty's little soldiers because it's an amazing charity thanks for taking the time to visit my just giving page myself and my son are going to attempt to break a guinness world record each i will be attempting the fastest handcuff escape from the rear and Jack will be attempting the more difficult challenge of fastest time to escape from prisoner transport iron. This attempt will be conducted in front of a live audience at Abbott's Way in Plymouth. Looks like the time and date is yet to be determined. This attempt will be overseen by the MOD police to verify that the equipment is serviceable and no foul play is used. So if you have a little uh, extra money to spare, it might be a good... Uh, place to stop by just go to the link in the show notes for the david's guinness world record attempt and you can pledge some money 
All right, first up in the video section, this one literally came through right as I was sitting down to record. This was Lock Noob's video, This Key Can Destroy a Lock. He says in the description, I've always wanted to see how gallium destroys aluminium locks by doing it myself, but I wanted to cast a key out of it. Casting gallium is extremely difficult, and yes, the key would work, but it is too soft to turn the core. It's an interesting metal. If you haven't yet seen how gallium weakens a lock, you really, really should watch this video. And even if you had, it's uh, you should probably watch it anyway. It's quite unique the way he goes about it. I can't imagine actually trying to cast a key like that, but it appeared to work. And next up, uh, a couple of people sent this in. Bobby Keys is back on YouTube with his new video. I'm glad to be back. Really cool quick American lock disassemble tool. In the video, he discusses his new focus for the channel, which will be on his 3D printing of Locksport tools. And he shows off something new that he's printed, the American lock disassembly tool. And I just want to say that I think this is great. This is one of the things that I find so interesting about this community is everyone is able to find their own little niche. Some people just want to casually pick locks, some focus on challenge locks, some um, either picking them or making them. Uh, some people on high security locks or on lever locks. Some focus more on collecting locks. Others really get into making custom picks or specialized tools. And there's also safe manipulation and hacking electronic locks and security systems. Some people even go on to get into physical pen testing. The variety of things that you can do and still be part of this lock community are, uh, are really cool. Everybody can just kind of find their own unique way of doing things. Mine happens to be this podcast now. This is my unique way of dealing with the community. So like I said, it's really interesting. People just kind of find their way into what they enjoy doing. It's part of this hobby. One of the things I find interesting are the electronic side lately. And just this week, Jimmy Longs and I had a discussion on my Discord about the master lock and sensory safe hack that I believe I covered several episodes ago. He mentioned that somebody had coded a plugin for the Flipper Zero that implements that hack. The hack basically allows you to very quickly open any of the master lock sentry electronic keypad safes because there is a flaw in their control board that does not require or it puts the requirement for entering a pin number before changing the pin number on the keypad itself. The actual controller inside will accept a key code change command without having a valid pin code put in. So with that, all you have to do is connect to the, the serial wires, send the command to change the code, then enter the code, and voila, it's open. So, so literally, to twist off the cover, connect to the wires, and have the safe open is a matter of seconds. And somebody added a plug-in for the Flipper Zero device that we mentioned again in several episodes ago that will allow it to implement this hack so you don't even have to build your own hardware. Pretty cool. I will have links to all that stuff in the show notes in case uh, you missed the original story. And speaking of Jimmy Long's, uh, he posted on Twitter this week, This it was at the beginning of week, but he said, hey, mighty Canadians, I'm going to try a week of shipping to Canada. JimmyLongs.com now has shipping option for you 
So if you want some of my lock picks, now's your chance. So hopefully you got in on that. Um, this episode is a little late, and but it wouldn't have been in time even if it hadn't been late. Hopefully this uh, goes well for him and he's able to do this again for you guys. And also in products, we have Mako has put up a couple of tweets. First is that the Mako 425 aluminum padlock is back in stock and available for purchase on the website. It was out of stock for a while. They say it is available in any color you like as long as it's blue. I thought it was any color you like as long as it's black. Wasn't that Henry Ford's thing? And they also said that they are working on expanding their M2 SFIC lineup, including the addition of A and M QA cylinders. So if you are into the SFIC thing, you can uh, get different keyways now. Moving on to meetups, same as last week. We've got Aloha 2022, July 24th through the 30th in Vegas. Not open to the public, but uh, if you happen to be an Aloha member, you can head over there. DEFCON 30, August 11th through the 14th, and they are having a lockpicking village, and there is a call-out for volunteers. So if you want to participate in the lockpicking village, you might check out the link in the show notes. BlockCon 2022 is being held in Barlow from Thursday the 25th through Sunday the 28th of August. The ISSA LA's 12th Annual Information Security Summit is taking place September 20th through the 22nd at the Annenberg Beach House in Southern California. St. Con 2022 taking place Provo, Utah, October 25th through the 28th. Moving on to the Lock Pictures United belts, we have four new purple belts this week. We have Max Val, the Lock Jock, Diesel Doctor, and Daki, Dakai. Not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, but congratulations to all of you. We have one new brown belt. Filecoin Lurker has earned brown, so congratulations to you. If you are not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, there are plenty of links in the show notes to videos and the official rules page if you want to find out more. It is a fun game to play, a good way to level your way up through the skills of lockpicking. Um, definitely gives you a little bit of a guide in how to progress through the different difficulty of locks and skills that you need to become a great lock picker. Over at Speed Locks, we have announcement of one new record, and that record is for the Master Lock 140 by Gatti in 0.434 seconds. So less than one, less than half a second to pick a lock. That's fast. All right, so now it's time to take a quick break. Say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. Uh, first, thank you to KixPicks for the PayPal donation. Really, really appreciate it. So with that, the producers for this episode include uh, KixPicks for his donation, as well as the Patreon subscribers. We have Jimmy Longs, Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starry Lock, William Sprain, Dave To Be Deciphered, Lebon's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons and a Coach, Jarrell, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, JHP Picking, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Deadbolt Cafe, NWA Lockpicker, and Snake. Chief content producers for this episode are, there was a tie between Ifisk and Jarrell, thanks to that last minute edition. 
Other content producers are Albert LaBelle, Barebones Lockpicking, Brian Edmondson, Cranky Lockpicker, Dark Arts Lockpicking, Holly, iFisk, Jeff Moss, Jimmy Longs, Joe Picks, Joshua Gonzalez, Kicks Picks, Knox Locks, Lock Bumbler, Lockpicking Dev, Panda Frog, and Tony Varelli. That is really getting to be a mouthful, and I really appreciate all that support. This show is only possible because of all that support. So if you are getting value out of the show, if you enjoy the show, please help me keep it going by helping me produce the show. You can do that by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's lock related that you think the community would like to know about. Uh, send it to podcast at locksportscast.com or any of the other contact links listed in the show notes or at the locksportscast.com slash support. Don't forget to share the show with your lockpicking friends. Leave a review, comment, thumbs up, whatever the platform you listen on allows. Don't forget to subscribe on the platform of your choice. If you want to help financially, you are certainly welcome to do so, although it is not expected. Any donation can be made via PayPal or you can subscribe on Patreon. If you help support the show with a donation or information that I use on the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes, just like all those people you heard me mention just a little bit ago. If you have an interesting story about something you have done in Locksport or that has happened to you because of your involvement in Locksport or as Locksmith, I would love to share it on the show. You can send that to uh, podcast at locksportscast.com or just go to locksportscast.com slash contact and uh, let me know about it. You can also leave feedback about the show if you want, either confidential or I can share it on the show. That's up to you. Just remember, work and family safe. No politics, no drama. Moving on to criminal news. First up, we have this story. Woman allegedly broke into Rochester home, killed cat. Uh, This was in the Star Tribune, written by Trey News. The article says that the 36-year-old Rochester woman allegedly broke into an apartment, trashed the place, and killed one of the tenant's cats. The suspect faces felony, second-degree burglary, possession of burglary tools, and fifth-degree drug possession charges as well as gross misdemeanor account of mistreatment of animals and misdemeanor account of property damage. According to court documents, the victims came home late Thursday and found their apartment was ransacked. Police inspected the apartment and found the suspect asleep on the victim's porch near a dead cat named Joey, whose body was still warm. The officers reported the cat showed no obvious signs of trauma, but pieces of broken pottery nearby indicated the woman may have dropped it on the cat. Uh, Police found small amounts of marijuana and methamphetamine near a backpack she had left nearby, as well as a pry bar, screwdriver, lockpick tool, and a knife inside the backpack. Uh, One of the victims posted on social media that the suspect didn't take anything, but that the cat may have been strangled to death. A lot of things that happen uh, with people when they are on uh, methamphetamine just don't make any sense to me. It's a horrible, horrible drug. Please don't ever try it. Whatever you do, don't try it. Next up is a story out of India, I believe. Uh, The Hindustan Times. It was two locksmiths booked for theft in Ladahaya. So the article says that two locksmiths allegedly stole gold jewelry from a lady after they had been called to repair the locks. This lady was an elderly and it appears the complaint was filed by her husband, who says that the accused locksmith asked the wife to give them a key to the cabinet and later uh, tricked his wife and used the key 
to steal gold jewelry and then flee the scene. The complaint was lodged with the police and the team initiated an investigation. And that's where it stands as of this particular article. So it sounds like not the most trustworthy locksmiths. I know some jurisdictions don't require licensing. Some do. Uh, some, you get these scam artists that come through and uh, take advantage of people who are uh, in uh, difficult situations. So kind of sad to see. Moving on to sales, we still have the same as last week. We have Southord annual July sale, uh, 25% discount off all products from July 1st through the 24th with the code PATRIOT22. If you're shopping at Barebones Lockpicking, you can use the code HVLogic10, and that it will last through the end of July. If you're over at lockpickmall.com, you can use one of three codes. Dark Arts Lockpicking has the code DARKVIP. Albert LaBelle has the code Albert, and Joe Picks has the code Joe Picks. So uh, take your pick and use your code if you're shopping over at lockpickmall.com. If you're over at 3DLocksport.com, you can use the code LSCAST10. And if you happen to be shopping over at Mako Locks, to either check out the uh, new key cylinders or the 425s that are now in stock, you can save 15% with the code BUYMAKO. And if you're at uklockpickers.co.uk, you can save 10% off with the code GIFT. Moving on to giveaways, we have the new giveaway here from Knox Locks. This is the Knox Locks Lock 2 giveaway. This is the second of his 13 giveaways geared towards the beginner, but definitely something for everyone. Uh, he has a question, the would you rather question that you need to answer, and the hashtag, of course. Knox Locks Lock 2. A link to his giveaway video with all of the details on how to enter will be in the show notes. Lock Fumbler also has giveaway running. Uh, that is the hashtag Lock Fumbler 100. That's his first giveaway to celebrate 100 subs. Rules were mentioned previous few weeks. I will have a link in the show notes if you want to head over there and check that out. Same here. We have Kicks Picks 100 giveaway. 100 subscriber giveaway and that one will be in the show notes as well then there's the hashtag lockboss giveaway from clk supplies always a good one if you're into giveaways so that's it for this episode i apologize for it being a little late this week but uh the laptop i have a high-end gaming laptop that i bought specifically for video editing because it's got a great graphics card and a lot of memory and fast processor and it does these videos really really quick which i need to, to get them turned around and out in time but uh it's a couple years old now and i uh, broke the cable that connects the uh, lcd screen to the internals i'm trying to source a new one so i can get it replaced and back up and running but at this point it is down so video editing is taking me a little longer than normal and uh i apologize for that but the show must go on. So remember to send me any information you have that is Locksport related. Even if you don't think it's important, it might just be the bit of info I need to put together with something else. Um, and if not, there's no harm done. I would rather have too much information than not enough. I can always leave stuff on the table for another week to put together with something else. So don't be afraid to send me any information. Thank you for all your support. Thanks for continuing listening. And remember to keep it legal. Legal. <laughs>